in just a moment, you'll be listening to a message that was given by Pastor Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church in Pampa, Texas. We encourage you to give attention to the message and to follow along in your Bible. Something I have mentioned in the past is this, is that whenever I am doing something new or something that I am not comfortable with or familiar with, I like there to be some kind of indicators letting me know I'm doing whatever it is correctly. If you ever have driven down a road, headed someplace you've never been before, and somebody has given you mile markers or or locations to be aware of, it's really nice when you see those mile markers, right? You're saying to yourself, okay, I'm on the right track, I'm on the right path, I'm, I'm headed the direction that I'm supposed to be going. So you understand that thought, you understand that principle. Now let's switch gears for just a moment and talk about something else. It's a simple question. Don't feel bad in in answering it honestly. Just answer this question. How many of you, if you had the option, if you had the choice, if you had the ability, you would put money in savings every month? Would you do that? So take that thought for just a moment and answer this question, and this one is an important question. I want you to think about your spiritual life for just a moment. Compare that or liken it to a bank account, an IRA. How many of us would say something like this, that it is our desire that our spiritual lives would grow and mature and continue to develop? It's a question that really should be easy for all of us to answer. If we're going to come to church faithfully, if we're going to come to church consistently, every one of us should say this, we want our spiritual lives to grow, to develop, to mature, to be greater, to be bigger, to be more impressive, not from the human standpoint, but to have developed along. That should be the desire of everyone. Now, that should be the desire, but it's not always the desire. We know this, that a lot of people sit in church and they're not really worried about their spiritual development and their spiritual maturity. It's not something that really concerns them. It's not really something that consumes them. But let's tonight assume that it's true for every one of us that we want to grow spiritually. Well, then what do we need? We need some markers and we need some indicators letting us know whether or not it's happening. I mean, if I'm going through my spiritual life and I'm saying that I want to grow and mature and develop, I need to know if it's happening or not, right? Because if I don't have some kind of a marker, if I don't have some kind of an indicator, I'm not going to know. So I need those things in my life given to me from the scripture. You need those things in your life as well. Those things that would let us know, okay, I'm doing good or I'm not doing so good. But there has to be a standard that we can measure ourselves against. And again, the Word of God is that standard. So tonight as we think about that, I want us to remember who Paul is addressing through this portion of the letter. He is addressing the servants. He is addressing the servants. Now think about the life of a servant in their day. 
that individual could have easily been born into that lot in life. That is something you and I cannot understand. They could have been born into slavery or they could have been brought into that position at a very young age, so young that they wouldn't have remembered any kind of a life prior to that. And so what that means is this, is some would have gone their entire lives having been born into slavery, living in slavery, and dying in slavery, never knowing freedom for one moment. That really is hard to grasp. So as you think about that, think about what their lot in life would have been. Perpetual existence and nothing more. They would have never owned their own home. They would have never known the freedom to move about and do whatever it is they would want to do. Think about this. Some could have lived on a plot of land their entire life and never left that little area. I'm going to say it one more time. That is something that our minds cannot grasp. We go and we do and we move about and we, we have all these freedoms available to us. That is not something that was afforded to every servant in their day. Why is that important? Well, it's important for this reason. We've got to remember that Paul said in verse number three that men or other men could teach otherwise. Okay, they could teach otherwise, which just means they could teach something contrary to what the Word of God has already established. And among everything else, or in light of everything else, that they could have preached or taught, notice what he said in the last part of verse number 5. He said that those other teachers could have taught something like this, supposing that gain is godliness. Supposing that gain is godliness. Can you imagine what it would have been like? There are servants in the land, there are servants in that territory, and they're being told by Paul, you've got to submit, you've got to do so with a good attitude and a good spirit. Your testimony is on the line, the name of God is on the line, and then somebody comes along and says, no, 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 this isn't how it works. When you're really living for the Lord, when you're really living for God in the way that you should, here is what you're going to enjoy. You are going to enjoy gain of what sort? Of an earthly sort. That is what some would have preached. So what they would have preached and what they would have taught was something that we would call today a prosperity gospel. That if you will serve God, you will get gain. And when there is gain, that must be a reflection of godliness. That sounds like a familiar message, does it not? We're living in a day where that message is still touted, where that message is still promoted, that if you'll just live for God, here's what he's going to do. He's going to bless you financially. He's going to give you blessings in this area, blessings in this area. And imagine for a moment, as appealing as it is to Americans today, imagine how appealing that would have been to servants in their day. If I'll just live for God, at some point, these shackles will be broken free. If I just live for God, at some point, I'll be given freedom. If, if I just live for God, at some point, I'll own my own home, and I'll have my own family, and, and I'll have all these things afforded to me. 
Here's the problem with that teaching then and now. It's a lie. There is no truth to the prosperity gospel. There is no truth to the idea that if you serve the Lord, you'll get riches. And if you have riches, it must be a sign of godliness. We know it's a lie because Scripture doesn't teach it. And we know it's a lie because it completely avoids the testimony of Jesus Christ. If anyone would have known prosperity and abundance and, and the goodness of the things of this world based on godliness, wouldn't it have been Christ who was God? All right, so I'm just saying that, that this prosperity gospel that we hear today, it was present some 2,000 years ago, and it would have been very appealing to the servants. So notice what Paul said of those who would teach or suppose that gain is godliness. He said, from such withdraw thyself. What does it mean to withdraw yourself from someone? It means don't have anything to do with them. So as Paul would have said 2,000 years ago, or did say then, he would say to us today, whenever you hear someone promoting this idea of prosperity associated to godliness, just get away from them. But notice what he said in verse number 5. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, let me share with you what is actually an indicator of growing and maturing and developing and increasing in your walk with God. He said, godliness is great gain. What matters in life? What, what would be an indicator that I am growing in my walk with God? Paul says, godliness is an indication of spiritual maturity and increase. Okay, now, now we could say, okay, well, godliness, we get that. Godliness represents increase in godliness. But doesn't the context help us understand what this means? Of course it does. See, we touched on this last week where Paul talked about how it is the submission and the submission with the right attitude, he said in verse number three, which is according to godliness. What is a marker and what is an indication of taking on the character and the nature of God? What is a true indication of it? It is this, when a person lives or learns to live in obedience to authority with a good spirit. And that is actual gain in the spiritual life. This may not be real exciting, but think about this. If we've ever known a young person who's once had an attitude, as I said last week, we would say of that young person, they're not exactly walking with God. Because you cannot walk with God and have a rebellious attitude, a rebellious spirit, and rebellious ways. But follow this. Whenever a young person gets their attitude right and their spirit right and their actions right, what do we then say? We say something like this. There is some spiritual growth taking place. 
They're learning to obey their parents. They're learning to obey their teachers. They're learning to obey whoever that authority figure is in their life, and they're doing so with a good attitude. That is an actual mark of godliness that indicates spiritual growth in that young person's life. It's true for adults as well. I said last week that you and I as adults, we cannot be rebellious. We cannot have that kind of a spirit about us and suggest that we're walking with God. It's just impossible for me to have a rebellious spirit, for you to have a rebellious spirit, and to say, oh yeah, we're godly and we're taking on the character and nature of God. Absolutely not. But whenever I or you begin to get your attitude toward authority, what it's supposed to be and our actions are right, what's that a sign of? It's a sign of spiritual growth, which is what we said we wanted. So, so you and I, we would sit here tonight and we would say, okay, well, I, I want to mature and develop and grow in my spiritual life. This is not all the indicators, but this is an important indicator. What is my attitude like toward authority? If my attitude is not good, then I'm not growing like I should. If my attitude and my actions are right, then there is spiritual growth taking place. And sometimes we don't want to use that as an indicator, but it doesn't change the fact it is an indicator. What is my attitude and what are my actions like toward my authority. So he said in verse number six, but godliness is great gain. And then he said this again to servants, godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. What does it mean to be content? It means to be satisfied. It means to be at peace with. Remember, he is writing to individuals who could have been born into slavery, known that all of their lives, and died in slavery. He could be writing to people who would never taste freedom themselves. And what he said was, if you want great gain in your spiritual life, if you want to know that you are growing and developing and maturing, here is how you can know it's happening that you're content, that you're satisfied, that you are at peace with your situation. Well, how would they have known that contentment had been achieved in their lives? Well, notice what he said in verse number eight. And having food and raiment... Let us be therewith content. See, remember, there were false teachers saying gain is godliness, right? 
So you've got to have more, you've got to have more, you've got to have more, and that's the sign of godliness. And those thoughts could get into their mind, and those thoughts could get into their spirit, and and they could begin thinking, yes, I deserve more, and yes, I am owed more, and yes, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And Paul comes along and says, no, 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 listen, if you really want to grow in your spiritual life, and if that's really what you want to achieve in your walk with God, you've got to know where godliness is found. It's in the spirit of humility and the spirit of subjection and doing what you're supposed to be doing and just being satisfied with your needs being met. Let me ask you something as it relates to our culture today. Does contentment seem to be elusive in our culture? Certainly does. All we've got to do, and I know I've touched on this before, and I know you know this, but all we've got to do is look at how our culture is driven by marketing. Our culture is driven by this mentality. There is always a need for more. And as a result, people have bought into this concept and people have bought into this way of thinking. And so whenever they're not constantly being fed more, you know what the tendency is? The tendency is to lose the contentment they should otherwise have. They've got a house, but it's not big enough. Or they've got a house, but it's not updated enough. They drive this car, but it needs to be a newer one. They drive this car, but it needs to have these options on it. They drive this car, but they want just a little bit more. Why can't you be content with this? Because there's something else out there that I'd rather have. That's the culture that we're a part of. Closets filled with clothes that hardly ever get worn. But what do they need? Just another outfit. I'm just saying, contentment, satisfaction, being at peace with one's lot in life, it is elusive in the culture we live in. And here's the problem. Christians get sucked into it. See, if I asked you tonight, are you content I think most of us, being at church, would give the answer, well, sure. But if we had to be perfectly honest, how many times do we get sucked into that mentality of I need something else to give me the contentment only to get it, only to realize now I just need something else. See, if you were to ask me, hey, Brother Kyle, are you content? Are you satisfied? Are you at peace with your lot in life? The honest answer would depend on what day and what moment you're talking to me. Someone may sit here tonight and say, well, Brother Kyle, I think I've got that contentment thing pretty much wrapped up. Really? You got that one squared away, huh? No no issues with contentment. All right, let's try to, as best we can, put ourselves in the position 
of a servant. Imagine if we were told tonight we would never leave Pampa again. Does that almost strike some fear in your heart immediately? It does me. Do you have food? Well, yeah, what's that got to do with anything? Do you have clothes? Well, yes. Do you have a house or a roof over your head? Yes, but I can't be content staying in Pampa the rest of my life. You know what that reveals? My godliness isn't what I'd like to think that it is. I know I've mentioned this before, but as I was preparing these thoughts and just thinking about how claustrophobic that even sounds, to think I could never leave the parameters of Pampa, I thought of our missionaries, the McGeorges, who are on the island of Nauru, who is smaller, or which is smaller than, than the, the, the landmass of Pampa, and they never get to leave for years at a time. And I thought, Lord, I, I don't have that level of, of godliness. I'm just saying, we could sit here and say, you know, I, I, I'm good on this whole idea of contentment. Tell me you could never leave Pampa and you'd be just fine, and most of us would be lying. But you say, well, Brother Kyle, I'm actually one of those people who could honestly say that. Well, good. What if all the luxuries that we enjoy were taken away from us? You know, what if we went home today and we flipped a switch for that light and it didn't come on? And we turned the knob on the faucet to get that drinking water and it didn't come on. And we got a little chilly, so we bumped up the heat and it didn't come on. Or we got a little hot and we turned down the air and the air didn't come on. And all these luxuries that we're used to, what if they weren't present this time tomorrow? Oh, Brother Kyle, I'd still be content. We know better now. How do we know? Because we're spoiled individuals. We've gotten so used to all these luxuries that if they were taken away from us, most of us would have a hard time coping for quite some time. But Paul said, you know, if you have your food and your raiment, we've got everything that we need to be content. How many of us think, if we'd just be honest, that we kind of deserve a certain lifestyle? I don't just mean the luxuries, I just mean a certain lifestyle. Oh, I should be able to do this, and I should be able to do this. Let, let, let's pretend that our electricity stays on, that our water runs just fine, and, and the air conditioner works like it's supposed to. But, but let's just be honest. How many of us think there are just certain little extras that we deserve, and if those were taken away from us, we might get a little bent out of shape? What if we don't get to see family as often as we'd like to see them? Could we be content? What if all of our friends that we once held so dear, for whatever reason, stopped being our friends? Could we be content without friends? 
Well, Brother Kyle, I'm a social person. Well, the servants may have been also, but they may not have been given that privilege. They may have just gone back to their quarters, whatever they were, struggling with loneliness. They had food and they had raiment and they had a roof over their head. And Paul said to them, hey, listen, that's all you need for contentment, which is actually great gain. Again, I just look at myself, I look at my own life, I look at my own, my own things that I've grown accustomed to. Well, I'd have to have this to be content. No, I'd have to have this to be content. No, I've got to have this to be content. To which Paul would say, you've got a lot of growing left to do. Because this is a marker. This is an indicator. You want to grow in your spiritual life and develop and mature, you've got to have a right attitude toward authority. You've got to have right actions toward authority. And you've got to learn to be content no matter what. See, notice what he said in verse number 7. He said, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. He's saying to the servants, came in with nothing. You're going to die with nothing. No reason really to get attached to something that's not going to go with you when you're gone. If we're honest, most of us would have to admit we get attached to things far too much, far too often, things that we really shouldn't care about. It's just a house. It's how we need to view it. It's just a house. It's just a car. It's just clothes. It's just whatever. Listen, it's not wrong if God blesses us with certain things, but those things should not be what our contentment hinges on. With or without any of those things, we should be content. We've got to learn to be content no matter what. If you've appreciated this message from Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church, let us know by contacting us on our website at gbcpampa.com or on our Facebook page, Grace Baptist Church, Pampa, Texas.